Here we hear my conversation with Dustin Reed, Lee Levelson. We talk all about what to expect from the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Canada, and the European Central Bank. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKinsey Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with our Chief Investment Strategist for Fixed Income, Dustin Reed. Dustin, Happy New Year, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Happy New Year. Thanks very much for having me back. Uh, We are recording on January 11th, which is uh, relatively early in the year, but boy, have we seen rates move a lot uh, just in those few days. Uh, maybe we'd start with uh, with the Fed and what's happening in the U.S. Uh, Dustin, maybe summarize uh, where we are now and the current state of play and, and what you're expecting. Yeah, for sure. It's been uh, a wild uh, few weeks uh, since since you and I last spoke, particularly the, the first week of the year coming out of uh, the holiday break. Um, recall that the uh, the December FOMC meeting back on on uh, on the fifteenth was a, was a relatively uh, hawkish event that uh, obviously got the tapering story um, accelerated, uh, doubling in fact from the original fifteen a month to thirty billion uh, a month, and that would have it wrap up in theory mid mid March. And when we got the minutes from that meeting, which are generally released about three weeks after. The FOMC meetings happen, uh, which which was the the first week of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a lot of a lot of additional detail, uh, particularly detail around kind of the I would say in many ways the exit strategy from quantitative easing, which is quantitative tightening or QT. And there was a lot of detail in the minutes, the Fed minutes around uh, accelerating uh, the uh, the notion of when QT might start versus when I think maybe a lot of people in the market were expecting it to begin, which many people were expecting it as a, a back half of of 22 event. And I think that the minutes have put a lot of risk around that happening earlier rather than later, Q2, um, maybe to some, maybe even March. And uh, that, that acceleration, I think, has really uh, helped to propel the notion that the Fed thinks that it might be a little bit, many in the Fed think that it might be behind the curve and it needs to uh, hike rates uh, relatively aggressively. So we've seen a significant repricing in the front end of the curve since uh, we last spoke on this forum. And we've seen two-year uh, two-year treasuries move as high as 90, 90 basis points uh, intraday uh, in recent trading. And the whole curve has moved, to be fair. I've seen fives right. quite a bit higher, which which I, I continue to like is kind of my favorite favorite trade, short short fives, short price, you know, prices lower, yields higher. But the whole curve, including 10s and 30s, have also, have also continued to move uh, quite a bit. And this move has been led by real rates, uh, which, has been, which has been quite interesting. Um, in terms of, of real rates uh, heading, uh, real rates uh, heading lower. Obviously, they were negative. They have been negative and continue to be negative, uh, and were were at cyclical lows, uh, kind of before this recent move. And I think that uh, this, this this move in real rates has been, uh, you know, pretty significant. Basically, calling into question uh, the, the the potentially the pace of growth here as the Fed starts to uh, 
tighten more aggressively than um, than the market may be expected, even as recently as a month ago. So just kind of looking at the curve now, we're pricing around 90 basis points uh, for Fed hikes for the year, and, mm-hmm. and that and that implicitly involves, uh, I would say, a fair bit of quantitative tightening. Uh, in addition to that, and, and obviously quantitative tightening when you're removing accommodation from the system, that, that's implicitly a, a, a tightening, as the name would imply. Uh, so you're ha- you've got a little bit more uh, tightening happening, you know, in addition to what the 90 basis points the market's already pricing in. There's a bit of a discussion going on right now in the market as to whether if the Fed announces or when the Fed announces QT, will that uh, take place of a rate hike or will it be maybe right. complementary to uh, to a rate hike? And uh, at this point, I, I think it's going to be probably complementary, but there's definitely uh, a market on that uh, particular issue. Um, I, and I do think that the, but I do think the balance sheet roll off is happening uh, potentially sooner rather than later. Uh, I think our base case from a, from a fixed income team perspective has moved to a 25 basis point hike in March. And, and I would not be surprised if we saw quantitative tightening announced in the second quarter, but I don't think it's going to uh, replace uh, a hike at uh, a regular okay. Fed funds hike at this point. I think I think you're starting from effectively the zero lower bound. The Fed's behind the curve. We're going to have inflation this week. It's going to continue to be hot. I don't think doing 25 or 50 uh, is really a, a lot, and uh, I don't think it really needs to be substituted one for one on a on a quantitative tightening per, uh, basis. So that's kind of where we're at on. Uh, on the Fed, on the Fed story, uh, and and where and where it's come from, and just uh, follow up. And you hit real rates a little bit, and I like to talk about inflation. Sure. Um, obviously, you mentioned inflation running hot. That's been the big story, uh, certainly the back half of 2021, um, which has uh, made the the Fed uh, really increase the the tightening in in their guidance. Yep. Um, what what do you think is the probability of a policy error where they where the Fed overreacts in in, uh, in lieu of inflation? And do you think that all of these actions uh, will indeed have a, a dampening effect on inflation, which they're intending? It's uh, it's an interesting question because I think you can actually slice the are we about are is there a policy error happening or about to happen in in, in a couple ways? And basically, just as I described it, there's. Has there already been a policy error? Has the Fed right. is the Fed behind the curve, and is inflation, you know, has the has the horse left the barn? Is too is it too too late to get it back? So that's kind of the one is the and then there's the other one, which is the what happens if the Fed uh, hikes or tightens too quickly, and right. uh, so so you kind of have uh, you kind of have a, a couple policy errors maybe on the table here one. Maybe in in real time slash slightly behind you or us, and you've got another one uh, maybe ahead of us here with what's probably going to happen this year in terms of the the pace or the cadence. Um, I, it, it remains to be seen. I don't think that we've had a policy error on the former, which is the the inflation is has, has is impossible to get back. I think it can be. Uh, uh, had back, so to speak, okay. but of course, to get it back, if it's if it's out of control, then you al- almost default to the policy error uh, number two, which is you have to over uh, over tighten. And right. this is this is definitely a concern in the market, and you're seeing it with the shape of the curve. And 
I, we saw the whole curve rise in the past couple of weeks, to be fair. Um, but I would say from a textbook perspective, with the, with the change in, in tone from the Fed and other global central banks, um, I think you would have expected many, I think many people would have expected the curve to steepen more. And it hasn't steepened uh, a whole heck of a lot. And even in the past few days, you've started to see at least my favorite metric, fives, thirties, uh, flatten a fair bit and come back towards. Although you know, as we as we do this this podcast, not quite at the cyclical lows, um, just around fifty basis points in the U.S. We're a few basis points above that, but but clearly there is a continued uh, flattening bias with, um, and I would say that's with with five five year five year yields higher and thirty year yields lower. Um, there's this bias happening in the market. And I think that that is, you know, a theme that investors need to uh, keep in mind, particularly if the Fed, again, takes another step and becomes even more hawkish than as it left things after the, uh, after the release of the minutes. Perfect. Great. Well, let's, uh, let's turn now to Canada. Um, sure. The uh, the Bank of Canada was uh, earlier than the Fed in in uh, suggesting that they were going to tighten and then in, sure. uh, re- remove some accommodation. Uh, yep. uh, I think markets are anticipating uh, a fair number of hikes uh, in 2022. Um, what, what's your view on Bank of Canada? Do you think it gets much further ahead of the Fed as far as hikes, or or, or what do you think the outlook for Bank of Canada and overall uh, rates are? For sure. So the, the bank, I think the bank call here is a little a little trickier than the Fed. Um, right now, the market's pricing around about 140, 140 basis points in terms of overall uh, hikes for the BOC for this year for calendar 22. That seems uh, about right to to me to us. It might be a little might be a little bit high. Um, I'm, I'm kind of penciling in five by 25 hikes. Uh, so uh, five hikes by 25 apiece, so 125. So, I mean, at, at that level, it's kind of, you know, 140, you're definitely, you're definitely in, in the ballpark. You're definitely not that yeah. far, that not that far out. I think the, the near term on the Bank of Canada is interesting. Um, the, the bank and, and the Fed both have the same meeting date this month um, in January 26th. Uh, Bank Bank Canada will be in the morning around 10 o'clock and uh, the Fed should be around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Bank here is a forecast meeting. The Fed meeting is not a forecast meeting. We had the the dots, so to speak, and the new forecast for the Fed, obviously, in December. But we do have the same day in January. So it's interesting. And I I go through all that because the market is probably right around 50-50 for uh, a January uh, rate hike by the BOC. Uh, for 25 basis points, might be slightly under 50 basis points here, just as we come into uh, today's recording. But it's essentially it's essentially 50-50, and I think that I mean obviously uh, the Omicron uh, variant that's been uh, you know an, the resurgence, which has been very challenging for for all of us, many people, um, is is weighing I would say. A, predominantly heavier here in Canada than in the U.S. I mean, I think everybody can see that with lockdowns happening uh, or, or pseudo lockdowns happening here in Ontario and uh, and in Quebec and really not seeing a lot of that in the U.S. And the Fed ha- has generally been relatively uh, 
blase really about 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 the impact of uh, of Omicron in, in the U.S. And, and feels that it has to job a job to do and has really looked through that. The bank here, I think, might be a little bit more sensitive. I mean, you've got two of the larger GDP uh, provinces, obviously, in, in, in pseudo lockdown in, in many ways. Um, and it, the optics around hiking in, in that environment are challenging. Uh, definitely not impossible, but challenging. And uh, also, you know, as we've mentioned many times here over the last six months, uh, you know, the inflation picture here, clearly well elevated, has not been as hot as it has been in the U.S. And there's there's right. a gap. There, there's a significant gap between where uh, the, the U.S. headline CPI is running and Canadian CPI is running. So again, you you are missing the mandate here in a, in a in a way, but but you know the 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 panic button is probably not not as as significant. So it it is a it is a tough call uh, on on the BOC here. I, I actually uh, I, I've been back and forth to be. Uh, completely fair over the last last week or so since coming back from the break. As we sit here right now on the 11th, I, I think the bank is probably going to hold uh, and not go. Okay. Another reason there, I think if the bank is relatively true to what it's been saying, the bank wants to see, and we've talked about this a few times, but it's definitely worth reiterating, the bank wants to see the output gap uh, close before hiking rates. And to me, it is difficult for the output gap to be closing um, from the current estimate, which is between Q2 and Q3 of this year, or sometime in Q2 or Q3 this year, when you have two of the larger provinces in the country uh, on on pseudo lockdown. Right. And, you know, is, is the output gap coming forward to Q1 and better still January in that environment? I mean, I guess it's possible, uh, but but it seems... It seems unlikely, and so I feel sure. like if the bank is true to that initial uh, outcome-based forward guidance that you know you and I spoke a lot about last year, uh, particularly during Q2 and Q3, if the bank is true to that, I feel like January a January hike is off the table. But but not not, not dissimilar to uh, frankly the RBNZ uh, that that took a pass on on a rate hike that probably should have happened when it had a couple of cases. Or maybe a handful of cases. I forget the exact number, but it was small, single digits. Um, right. In uh, you know, in the in the country, and, and passed on a rate on a rate hike, but then kind of made up for lost time. You could see the Bank of Canada doing doing a similar thing. The the unfortunate thing for the bank is that, like I was saying, this month January is a forecast round, um, and so it has the press conference and right. has the you know has a little bit more latitude to explain it away. Uh, the next the next meeting, the March meeting for the bank here is not a forecast route. And you can obviously uh, can obviously uh, institute a press conference. And when there when there's a non a non forecast meeting, uh, either the usually somebody senior from the bank has a has a speech the, the the day after to kind of talk about what what's happened. So it's not not impossible, but uh, just from from that perspective, it makes it challenging. So that's kind of what uh, we're looking at. And and I think that. Um, in some ways, the, the front end of the Canadian curve might be uh, more fully priced, so to speak, than the front end of the U.S. curve. Although, again, like I was saying a few minutes ago, I think the front end of the U.S. curve is uh, is looking a lot more a lot more fully priced and, and much to our expectations than uh, than it was even a month ago, really. Right. Perfect. And, and uh, just 
last question on Bank of Canada. Sure. Are they are they how sensitive do they have to be about where the Fed uh, rate is? Can they can they hike much more uh, aggressively than the Fed, or are they going to be uh, taking a look at the the neighbors down south and and uh, aligning some of the hikes with that? Absolutely, yeah, that's a good question. And absolutely, the the bank doesn't want to be massively uh, outside of the the Fed the Fed's hiking cycle. I don't think the the bank minds here. Uh, leading by a little bit, but I think anything more than 50 basis points uh, off the Fed is going to be a a little bit a little bit too much, um, particularly with the inflation numbers running lower here, at least for now. And I think projected versus where uh, versus where the U.S. numbers are. Perfect. Uh, let's uh, conclude by talking a little bit about Europe. Uh, what's the state of play uh, right now in Europe, and uh, what are you expecting out of the ECB? So the ECB is an interesting, uh, an interesting look, and in, and just the the European the European curve. Um, we've seen the, the benchmark yields, the, the German yields, rise in you know in sympathy with uh, <clears throat> with global yields and and US and US leading the pack to to be sure and. Uh, uh, ten-year ten-year bonds are almost at almost at zero, uh, having been uh, essentially negative for for quite a while. So that's uh, have an impact on that that famous chart that I'm sure a few people have seen in talking about uh, the num- the amount of uh, negative yielding uh, global uh, global debt. Uh, so sure. that, that and I expect that to continue to rise uh, directionally. I think we'll see tens move above above zero into the into the positive territory the next little bit. But the ECB is a little bit behind a lot of the other G10 central banks, um, with the exception of the Bank of Japan, which I don't foresee anything happening for a little while. But I, I feel like we are on the cusp, potentially, of seeing a bit of a language change, a bit of a tone change from the ECB uh, to kind of get you know, exactly in line with where some of the other G10 banks are, but at least a little bit closer directionally. And you've seen... Uh, uh, over the weekend, there was a very interesting uh, uh, comment from uh, ECB executive uh, board member uh, Schnabel, who's uh, who's from Germany, um, but but not the head of the Bundesbank, but but someone who sits on the executive uh, for for the ECB, and uh, she, she has been a really uh, really good bellwether in terms of how how the uh, evolution of ECB thinking has evolved kind of internally and then you you see how that that thought process uh, actually comes to fruition in the in the following two or three months and she on the weekend said something interesting regarding looking through uh, higher higher energy prices and and higher inflation and particularly suggesting that it may not be able to look through, uh, those rises, uh, those increases in, um, in in energy and and inflation anymore. So basically, saying that you know the, the rise is less temporary is a more eloquent way to say it. And right. I feel that she, in many ways, she's kind of the the Clarida of um, mm. of, uh, of the ECB. And I feel like you know, when when she when she says something and and she moves the ball a half step, a full step. Uh, those things come to pass, and I'm starting to wonder if um, they are they are sowing the seeds for uh, a bit of a uh, a bit of a language change at the March meeting, which will be a uh, which will be a forecast meeting, a staff forecast meeting for for the ECB, 
Uh, and the market's currently pricing around 15, 16, 17 basis points for this year in terms of hikes, which I think is which I think is a, uh, not not inappropriate per se. I, I do think that December is maybe maybe live just the way the, the world is evolving here and, and particularly the ECB needing to make up for lost time. But at some point here, I think the ECB is going to start talking pretty uh, pretty interestingly, maybe even aggressively around having to hike rates in early 23. And I think that could even blend, like I was just suggesting, into late into late 22. So I think the ECB story is, is very interesting here. In some ways, just as interesting as the Fed, because a lot of things have happened. I mean, there's more to happen with the Fed, to be sure. But the ECB has, has some wood to chop. Uh, and I think... Uh, I, I think that the, the evolution of that story could be quite interesting. And there's a few ramifications there, obviously. One, obviously, the, the, the German, uh, German and just European yields can have a, have a significant move, maybe even an outside, outsized move versus some of the, uh, the North American counterparts. But secondly, if you have a, a, a hawkish Fed and hawkish generally uh, G10 central banks, and now you've got the ECB making up for that and kind of moving in that direction a little more aggressively, um, you know, what does that mean for risk assets? What does that mean, you know, across, you know, for general, for global risk appetite and uh, how do equities perform? And what does that mean for fixed income markets? Uh, you know, what does that mean for the euro? So we're looking at uh, a, f- a few things. Um, you know, I've generally been relatively constructive on, on uh, buying dollars, as I'm, I'm sure you recall, for most of last year, particularly the back half. And, right. you know, as I'm kind of considering and looking at these uh, potential changes on the on the ECB side, what it means for policy and rates. I'm also thinking about what it means for the the, the dollar index because 55 or so percent of the dollar index is 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 uh, denominated in euro, uh, so it's very right. very heavy weight to state the obvious. And I'm wondering what that means for the dollar index and what it might mean for euro dollar as a uh, as a currency pair. Uh, is this kind of sell on rallies euro dollar so euros lower, dollar higher. Is that is that over or coming to an end? And uh, you know, could we see some upside because you know the ECB needs to make up for lost time, and a lot of things are priced into the Fed. So there's a few mm-hmm. interesting things there, and those are things that we're kind of thinking about and looking at um, in the portfolio, both from a duration perspective, geographical asset allocation perspective. Uh, I would say from a currency perspective as well. So um, it's definitely definitely an interesting time. It's been a really interesting start. Uh, to the year, and uh, there's a, there's a there are a few threads that uh, I think are going to be definitely worth following and keeping an eye on here as we move into uh, Q1 and Q2. Well, Dustin, thanks very much for the comprehensive overview. Uh, I think we've laid out uh, a few themes here that we'll pick up on on future podcasts, and uh, appreciate you taking the time, and look forward to hearing from you throughout the year. Sounds great. Thanks very much. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fun facts and prospectus before investing. 
The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.